Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the light-hearted technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And we're joined by a very special guest who I can only describe as being like a brother to me. His name is <laughs> Andrew Langson of CNET. Hello, Andy. Hey. Thank Was you for a- having me. That's my pleasure for the most part. Um, it's been quite some time since you've been on the show, and I thought it was about time to to rectify what I know you would describe as a mistake. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, I've I've been plotting my return um, mm. and and maybe eventual takeover, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it's three of us this week. Bit of a bit of a change in format, which is good, but hopefully everyone is approving of this uh, i wanted to start before we get into some interesting news that ian has prepared i've had a little bit in my bonnet recently about email signatures um because i've noticed a slight downward trend in one thing concerning email signatures which is that far fewer people seem to want me to think before printing an email <laughs> and that's something that used to bug the heck out of me because i thought well i'll i'll print an email if i want to I don't need your permission to think about checking whether I should think before printing that email. Yeah, but um, I mean, who, who doesn't think? Like, no one's just absentmindedly control peeing every email, are they? Well, this is the question. The the, the 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 frequency of being told, please think before you print this email, makes me think that everybody's just printing emails left, right and centre. Yeah, I don't think I've ever printed an email. I mean, have I you... probably have, but not in any sort of numbers that would trouble the environment. Andy, do you ever print emails do you feel you need to work with this? no but i always think before i um uh before i do or don't um and that's the important thing um is it is it fair to say so like in terms of um in, in environmental things on this like those little statements that really bug me like that bugs me for the same reason like well of course i'm going to think and it hits me in the same place as when i read on the back of packaging when it says um not yet recycled as though can I this guess? Company, can I guess why that annoys you? Is it that it sounds like the company is passing the blame? Yeah, it's like they're saying they're saying, well, it's not our fault that this isn't yet recycled. We're going to carry on using stuff that we're going to put in the landfill in the oceans. It's it's not on us to change what we're doing. It's on some other party to figure out how to recycle our nonsense. Um, and i maybe maybe i'm overstretching this but i i read those very much in the same tone of voice and they annoy me for very similar reasons it's like oh please think it's like well of course like this is ridiculous like yes yeah no. it is i'm 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 with you on that kate in our live chat says i used to work with someone who printed and filed all his emails in ring binders which sounds like an enormous waste of everybody's time yeah. I used I used to um I used to date a girl whose boss refused to use email and would have an assistant 
print out all his emails, which he would reply to by hand, which she would then type up an email back. I have which, a feeling that probably still happens quite a lot in the corporate world. It that might is do, so but it's, unnecessary. It's just such what an enormous... What a waste of time. Yes, indeed. So I've been, speaking of wastes of time, I've been paying attention to email signatures a lot recently <laughs> to try and figure out what my next thing is to annoy me. Because this, you know, promotion of thinking before one prints an email seems to have been going away somewhat, which is good. Maybe people have finally, finally started to think before printing. Um, but I've now noticed a very high uptick in people who include images often ones that flash and move mm. in their email signatures um, i've noticed more people including profile photos of themselves and that might just be a pr thing i'm not sure that could this be is... handy for prs to be fair exactly some of that might be pr thing which, which i can i can i can forgive but signatures have been getting longer if you look at them they are getting longer because they have disclaimers there are data protection lines there are obviously contact details which is fine i think in an email signature um there are lots and lots of things and they are getting longer so while the slightly preachy nature of please think before you print has gone away which is good they're being replaced by things i find significantly more irksome enough to bring up at the top of a podcast <laughs> well i think that the and i hate to say this in a in a negative way but the printing thing always felt to me a bit like a bit of virtue signaling like we're we're not going to do anything about the problem of the environment because you know we run a we're in a gigantic organization that probably contributes far more harm to the environment than say printing an email but we are going to pretend that we're doing something about it by putting in the minimal amount of effort which is to discourage you from printing an email which wouldn't discourage me from printing an email because i would only ever print an email that i needed printed now this brings me to my question around what is a good email signature because i don't uh, a have name just a name now do you uh, maybe sign, a phone number would you sign your name and then have the name appear in the signature uh Yes. What, sign it with an actual signature? No, as in, would you say, kind regards, Ian, and then directly below that, your signature begins, it says, Ian Morris? Uh, no, I usually do thanks, comma, and let the signature take care of the name bit. Ah, you're one of those. Do you read your... How do you read out a mobile phone number out of interest? Um, what What is your cadence? It's is it four... Five? Oh, right. oh no! Hold on! Oh, no, 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 no! That's wrong. Oh, uh, yeah, it's five, five, three, three, five, yeah, three, I do three. five, three. Yeah, so like, oh, seven, four, two, four, three, six, three, four, two, two, five, three, Everyone three. That number is the correct. I mean, I mean, I pull that number out of my ass. Oh, that's good. like, 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 <laughs> like a head hair. So, um, <laughs> uh, um. And that, ladies and yeah. gentlemen, is a reference to something that happened before we started recording the podcast <laughs> itself. Okay, so names are fine. Email addresses we... Job title is, is, in, is incredibly important. I think that's useful, yeah. It's good to because, know who someone um, is. Particularly... Dep- and, Can and I, I think, ignore this email or is it from the CEO? Well, exactly. And also I think it's, um, it's important depending on, on context on who is reaching out to whom because... I, uh, don't say that. Don't say that. We don't, we don't reach out around here. All right, whatever. Okay. Um, uh, contact. We contact. We um, uh, establish communication. Um, or whom? Or whom? Um, yeah, because so from from like my perspective as journalist, 
I'm sometimes reaching out to people or or people within our company who are maybe like the the, the news writers. Um, they are reaching out to quite important people who will have no idea who they are and what they do. And so then having that context of this isn't some like junior staff writer that they can ignore, particularly if you're maybe emailing like politicians, um, et cetera, who like, oh, it's just some junior writer, who cares? But instead, if they are have a little bit more gravitas in their um, in their job title, that really can help. So we've agreed that that's, that's fine then. Yes. What about, what about social media links and icons? Pictorial icons. It does, the whole thing it? seems unnecessary. I don't need to know what your Twitter's like. Mm. Well, I'm looking oh. at mine right now, and mine says Andrew Langson, editor at large, CNET. Also, lead photographer, Europe, CNET, because I've insisted on having two job titles. Below that, follow me on Twitter and then at BatteryHQ. And at BatteryHQ is a link, but there are no images. There is nothing else in there. And But also, I do believe that uh, that is against our policy because there is like a boilerplate and it includes like seen a uh, property of red ventures and this would be a picture of red ventures and probably a little banner that has its other properties in there and i don't have it i've just got text and it's just it just says seen it how fine. many of your own achievements or your company have you managed to promote in that last 30 seconds we've got both your job titles the company you work for the company that owns the company you work for um, what else was there mentioned? That was quite impressive, actually. I don't know. Then my personal one says Andrew Langson, photographer, comma journalist. Then it's got a link to my portfolio. Mm. It hasn't got a link to my YouTube channel. You're right. I should update this. Mm. Um, okay, before we move on from this, because this is a, a topic of conversation that has no real timely. <laughs> uh, other than it irked me on friday when i was um reading a couple of emails all the way to the bottom and i thought this is something to talk about on a podcast but the final question is attachments and specifically photographs in attachments i do not like it when i get emailed a photograph in an email where the jpeg basically takes up the entire in width line. of my screen you don't in like li- in line <clears throat> that's it fair enough no i don't like it either i like them as attachments but we're probably just showing our age here no i I think it's i think it's right i think it's i think it's important because you don't want it ruining back in the day would have been oh because like if your internet is so slow that you know loading like a you know a 12 megabyte image in line would be um really (laughs) difficult and slow things down whereas now that isn't that's irrelevant but it will look weird and like why would you need to i think is the argument like what you know it, you here is an image that is attached that is a thing that you need to do um and i think this is maybe more getting into just sort of bad maybe bad pr or something but what always used to bug me was when if i got invited to an event or something and it had relevant information that was being given like obviously the time and the location things like that and that was put into an image and they sent you and then put the image in line so you can't copy any of that information out and put it into a calendar Mm. um and when you want to put in something or someone's phone number you can't copy it so i think it's not so much the information that's included but how it's done to make it actually easy to access that i often find frustrating it's uh, we're getting some interesting feedback in the chat here um ian b asks i'm not a journalist but i do work in it i print one to two pages of a4 a month 
and serious question, how often do you print? That is a good question. I Very, very, very rarely. Very oh, I rarely can't, indeed. I can't print. I can only print on a secure printer in the office. So I print almost nothing. If I'm in the office, I often print stuff because I find it very useful. I bought a printer for, recently because I have to print quite a lot of stuff, but it's almost entirely uh, returns labels for couriers because uh, most of what I uh, I do involves product coverage and, and yeah. loan equipment. So, um, you know, there's always, it's always a DHL thing that needs returning, which is, um, you know, I think becoming less of a thing these days because often they can bring their own labels, but for the most part, it is just easier to to do it yourself. Well, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's, it's easy to do. And whilst it isn't free to print, I invested in a decent laser printer because mm. I'd had enough. I just had enough. I couldn't deal with inkjet anymore. The amount of printing I did was so sporadic that I, all the ink ended up drying up. Um, and it was just abysmal. So uh, laser was the way. It's beautiful. I love my printer. I'm the only person in the whole world that can say they love their printer. I'm sure there is a pervert somewhere who loves their printer more than you, but you're right to comment. Um, (laughs) Anyway, um, if you have a view on what is the correct amount of things to have in your email signature, do send it our our way by email, appropriately (laughs) enough. You can do that. We will print it out and then we'll toss it into a seagull's mouth. We will, yes, and then watch as it struggles to reply. Um, And here is the Technosaurus. Coming up on Text Message, could ad breaks in UK TV be getting longer? We'll find out after this word from our sponsor, PorgVPN. Are you looking for exotic animals to eat? Worried the Galactic Empire might see your search results? Use PorgVPN to keep your browsing history a secret. Now back to the show. Ofcom, the watchdog for UK TV broadcasting, has said that it will allow an extension or may allow an extension to the frequency and lengths of ad breaks, which it says will be important in improving the financial uh, fortunes of broadcasters like ITV, STV and Channel 4. Uh, sorry, Channel 5. Uh, we'll find out more after these messages. Do you love peas? Do you love cheese? Then you'll love new cheesy peas from much-loved global global conglomerate Industrial Chemicals, Inc. Our patented long-protein fromage-flavoured mix brings delightful new taste to our specialty-designed pea substitute built from smashed soy, reconstituted into pea shapes and combined with our legally not-cheese additive. Try it now from your local diddly-dee. Current broadcasting regulations allow an average of uh, seven minutes of advertising per hour uh, and individual breaks are not allowed to be longer than three minutes, 50 seconds. Programmes between 21 and 44 minutes are only allowed uh, one break. Uh, In The Guardian, an Ofcom spokesperson said, we're scoping a range of options, but before we form any plans, we'll listen to the views and examine what TV viewers say. We need to strike the right balance between protecting viewers' interests and sustaining our traditional broadcasters, which includes helping them compete with, guess what, American streaming platforms. That argument again about competing with US streaming networks, a truly tired and predictable outcome for anything broadcasting related these days. I must thank you for taking such great care in preparing those adverts, Ian. Great care. I think it was a parody, yes? Yes, it was. In fact, I will be pleased to congratulate anyone that can name the references uh, 
that I've made to old British comedies in the uh, in the in the adverts. I recognise d- Diddly D from yeah. uh, Mitchell and Webb. That's correct. Um, now, I mean, your point is is that we're basically in consultation to get more adverts and longer and longer ones, which comes as a bit of a surprise to me, actually, because people have got less and less, um, I think, tolerant of interruptions, and they certainly oh, God. have they have a, a much lower threshold of uh, as far as attention spans go. This doesn't strike me as necessarily the well. It's not the way I would have expected it to go. I. I'm incredibly frustrated by it. Um, I mean, we've got a YouTuber in the uh, in the in the podcast this week, Andy. Hi, um, Andy. Is your channel monetized? Yes, it is monetized. Then I have nothing more to say to you. You're part of the problem. No, I jest. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but advertising on YouTube has become unbearable again. In fact, it's getting worse every well, minute. It, yeah, I mean, so I only monetize I only uh, uh monetize my channel through YouTube's um ad revenue. So I don't also then do uh my own sponsorship messages or breaks to hey, have you heard of Squarespace? <laughs> yeah. Um if not, you are literally the last person who hasn't. Um uh but largely just because I'm not allowed to because I'm also a journalist for CNET, ah, yes. so I, I can't do anything that sort of makes me any kind of ambassador for a brand. So, um, but I would do, um, but I would find ways of um, making it relevant to my own audience, which I, I think is probably the issue with a lot of these adverts is that what you're seeing is just five to ten minutes of nonsense um, that <laughs> spoils the overall um, experience. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I know. I, look, I think the thing is that I don't. No one objects to YouTubers being able to make money out of their advert breaks and that kind of thing. I just feel like one of the things that I noticed. I was watching a something like a fifteen-minute video the other day, and I had to sit through three to four advert breaks. But even more annoying that perhaps than that was that the adverts were the same each time. It's like. Guys, if I didn't get the message the first time, I'm not going to get it the second, third, and fourth time, am I? Like, mm. I don't care about these products. Why are you pushing them to me? And stop it. You're ruining the experience. You're making me not want to use YouTube. It's counterproductive. Yeah, this, like we already we are... know about the Pixel 6, so we don't need constant adverts for it on every <laughs> single YouTube video. Yeah. We're talking about YouTube, but the news is actually that this is actually yes. around broadcast television, right? So at the moment, to well, it, recap yeah. your point, we're allowed... Uh, Seven minutes of advertising per hour on average over the course of a day. Yeah. Individual breaks are not allowed to be longer than three minutes and 50 seconds. And programs between 21 and 44 minutes long are only allowed one ad break. Is there any suggestion of what the increase in length or frequency might be? They didn't say in the article I read, I, I believe it would be the sort of thing where there'd, there'd be like a little consultation go on. There was also some requests, I think, from the industry had asked maybe for a relaxation of product placement rules, um, that there could be perhaps more or different product placement. I actually, I don't know a huge amount about product placement um, beyond the very basics about what's allowed and what isn't. But um, I mean, pretty yeah, much so, none of it is allowed. I mean, elements of it are allowed on the commercial channels here, I think. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, rightly so. Because I, I, again, though, this was billed as a way to save the industry. It was like, well, if we give them product placement, then there'll be less of an emphasis on adverts. But the fact is, that's not the way it's worked out. And I, 
you know, product placement might be fine in a big film or a Hollywood TV series, but I just don't think it necessarily cuts the same in a, on a small UK audience. Um, but again, I, I don't think that adding more length to commercial breaks or increasing the frequency will do anything beyond annoy people. It, will, think- t- it will push people more and more to uh, time shifting, so either recording and fast forwarding through ads, or it will, you know, just put people off the product altogether. I, I completely agree. I, I I think this is like the problem is people don't like watching adverts and therefore they're finding success in using other streamers. So let's combat that problem by putting even more of the thing they hate because we're making less money off it. Um, yeah. It's it's not a good strategy. It's it's like websites saying, oh, we're not making as much money from ads on our on our front page. So let's just fill it even more so with ads because to hell with the content. Um, yeah, it's not a, it's not, it's not a strong idea. Ian, do you think this is a cynical move to say, well, if we annoy the customer more by increasing the number of ad breaks and and the length of them, that it would push more people to subscribe to the ad free platforms that they also run, as a way of saying, well, look, there are more ads and we need those, but if you go and subscribe to this for X pounds a month, you don't get any ads. Yep. Yeah, it may well do. I mean, that's um, that's certainly the model that is operating with most broadcasters. Um, ITV Hub has a premium version that's going to be turned into ITV X or something soon. Really, uh, that sounds is, like pornography. Yeah, I can't. I mean, that may, they, it may not be the final name for it, but they're working on a, a new version, which is much overdue because ITV Hub is an absolute disaster and needs a ground up redesign. I mean, iPlayer, when you think about it, <clears throat> has been flawless pretty much since it launched and very rarely has any issues and you can stream things like ultra hd over it anyway getting us getting away from the point yes i do agree with that like the the it seems like the 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 future model for broadcast and streaming is going to be you can either slum it for low cost and have adverts like netflix is obviously going to be bringing in adverts soon which will uh, allow it to launch a much lower price tier or give you maybe a discount off your choice of tier. We don't know how it's going to work yet. Um, you know, Channel 4 has a premium paid version uh, that, that drops the ads. Although someone in the chat the other day was saying that apparently even though they have that, you still do see an occasional advert, which is annoying. Um, and then, you know, and, and following the US model, you know, adverts in the US have always been ridiculous. Um, and if we go down that route where you have, you know, the, in, the cold open to a show, so the bit before the titles then a set of adverts, then the, you know, titles for the show, then a small block of content, then another set of adverts. Yeah, it's just going to become unbearable. So maybe it will work. Maybe people will go, will gravitate towards an ad, uh, an ad free uh, platform. Maybe the answer to all this is then to launch a, a sort of an almost a, maybe a sort of pan Britain kind of pan UK kind of service where you get your BBC license fee included and ad-free versions of all the major broadcast networks for like 20 quid a month or something. This is exactly what I was going to suggest. I was I was thinking, well, uh, having individual, you know, if you've got it, okay, I've got to have my license fee for, for Channel 4, and I've got to, uh, sorry, my, my, my streaming subscription fee for Channel 4, then I've got to have one for ITV, then I've got to have one for BBC, um, or whatever. Like, it, it is, it, you then got that whole thing of I've got so many different things, uh, streaming services that I'm paying for monthly, and it becomes very, very difficult to track. So I'd love to see, uh, you know, UK TV as a 
as yeah. one streaming platform and that could be you know we already pay what is like 100, free 150 quid? Or something. yeah exactly what what's what's the license of the license fee 164 now? or something 164 yeah i knew it was i knew it was over 150 now like that a year like if we could pay that and have it as a they don't have to maybe maintain the the broadcast side to the yep. same extent but it would be but it would be a streaming thing instead because that is what the way that the industry and the actual architecture of the network is 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 moving um like that could be a really good option um the only other thing i would like to to add as another point is i i for for me, some of the issue is not necessarily the frequency of the adverts, but the quality of them. And as we're talking about seeing products for things the same time again and again and again on YouTube, I I, I do have I have the opinion that like I don't mind seeing adverts. I I would like to know that things exist that I want to have. And I've often um, previously praised um, in Instagram's algorithms in that is put companies and product stores me that I didn't know existed and didn't know were a thing um and that it sort of learned that I liked um like slow fashion and and uh and organic materials in clothing and you they plant trees and think when you buy them that kind of thing and it put these companies towards me that I just didn't really know exist I bought things through Instagram ads as a result um of this and I know that's a it's a completely different model but I would like it would be nice to be able to have uh, more targeted ads uh using these platforms rather than you just get the same ones and it's the same oh it's just cause light again that thing when there's like a s- swimmer and he's swimming through snow it's like I'm never going to drink that beer I hate it so like there should be a way that if they have your details, they know who you are because it's a streaming platform and you've got an account and you're signed in, that it can be a little bit more potentially targeted and that would actually show you things that are more relevant, which it would in a joined up enjoy. world in a joined up world, you would have a streaming platform that knew who you were and what you generally liked in a way that meant that when you watch television live on a smart TV, the ads would be tailored for the person it believes is watching at that point, mm. which is not something that happens now. It's based on the demographic, broad yeah. demographics of who tends to watch those sorts of programs. As a mm. slight side note that I wanted to mention, in our live chat, Kate says, uh, I get good targeted ads on Instagram, but Facebook thinks I want to read self-published werewolf porn. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think prob- one of the issues is, um, I, I think we could all agree that like the advertising world is sort of broken um anyway um it, it is the old the old way of doing ads on tv is it's like their their only way of doing sort of market research is oh well we think people who are going to be at home at this time are probably this sort of person and therefore you get certain ads at different times of day but it's probably likely that most of it is irrelevant to you and therefore it's a waste of that advertiser's money in putting adverts in front of people f- who are not a target for their audience in the same way as like when i remember you know buying a i when i bought a bed on um the internet then suddenly i was followed around the internet by beds it's like i have just bought a bed i am now the last person that needs a bed how about you have a system which is just smart enough to be like you just bought a bed how about bedding what about what about bedside lamps other things but no more beds it's like i don't i am the last person that needs this i tell it wasn't a bed it was a sofa and um like what's the difference really well, quite, but like I, I am the, I am now the last person that is a thing, or that it is is a target for your product because I have just bought one, and I would love for ads to be smart. And like I have this product, and it would then go fair enough. 
will show you other relevant things. Um, and I know a lot of people might disagree. It's like, no, I don't want them knowing even more about me. I don't want to know what, them to know what I own. But if we're going to have ads anyway, which we are, it may as well actually be useful and it would work. And that could actually save companies money. It might even allow smaller brands to advertise in places because they are only paying to have it targeted a much smaller subsection of people, which will maybe benefit smaller businesses without the same marketing budget of your Samsungs, etc. Well, that's been fascinating. And if you have an opinion on the erstwhile fascination, do let us know. Hello at UKTechShow.com. Coming up, for our patrons listening to our full version of the show, we're going to be talking about um, the iPhone at 15 years. Can't believe it's been 15 years since the iPhone was released. Well, it has been, and we're going to have a chat about some of the features that it lacked at launch that I had forgotten it lacked at launch. That's coming up. Um, but first, we're going to have a bit of sound, and then we're going to talk about digital photo frames. <laughs> Did you ever have a digital photo frame, Andy? Um, not one that I used or had out of choice. As a journalist, and, I've been sent a variety yeah, as, yeah, as reviews and or they just turn up one day. And um, no, I've never really used them. I've got 6,000 of them in a box. Well, yeah. same, same question to, um, to Gentleman 2. Yeah, um, I've, I have tried them. Um, because I was given lots of them over the years. And uh, no, never managed to make them stick, frankly. My question is, where have they all gone? They're all Amazon Echoes now. Is that what it is? Because for Maybe. For oh, do you mean physically there, or like where has the concept well, gone? Because they're no, all landfill. in landfill. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, sadly, that's true. But for a long time there, digital photo frames were a big deal they were they were very easy to gift to people at, at, at christmas and birthdays but they are woefully inefficient ways of dis, of displaying um photographs but i wonder is anyone still buying them no um but i do uh, wonder if it's time for a relaunch of photo frames because imagine you could have an oled panel in there now and it would look really nice Interesting. So the one thing that I, when you say, uh, like when you use them, I, I had one a year and a half ago. Netgear do one called the Mural, and M-E-U-R-A-L, and they call it the Digital Canvas. And it is, I think, 28 inches, and it's in like a really nice frame. So it looks nice. like art, and it also weighs half a ton. So you've got to like stabilize your wall if you're, if you're worried about it. But that is, um, uh, it is matte finish. It's really high quality, beautiful OLED panel, like really beautiful colors. And it has like a subscription uh, model if you want actual, like really nice art um, on mm. there. You can buy pieces of, uh, you know, real art and also from other uh, like modern artists or like historical ones. Or of course, you can put your own stuff in, which for me was great as a photographer. So I just had a variety of uh, photos that it would sort of gently cycle through. That was actually quite nice to have. I mean, it costs an absolute fortune. How much? Um, oh, I'm, I think, on, I, I'm I, off the shop now and I can't find a price, which is bad news. I think they start at like 500 quid, something like Ooh. that. You know, it might, might, be even, might be even more. But um, the, the, the older ones that we're talking about are the, the small, you know, five by six ones that would sit on your desk um, uh, and 
No, I've never really seen any point of that. The nearest I've got to to that is sometimes when I've just I've been using my iPad as as a second screen. Uh, sometimes I've just had it playing through photo loops, so it will sort of become a digital photo frame. But there's there's been no point in having a screen that literally does just that one thing. My iPad then also exists as an iPad when I don't need it to be something else. They are a relic of an era, a bit like netbooks i think and i i did do a search for books for digital <laughs> for digital photo frames and although they are still sold they all resemble very cheap um tablet computers and they but they 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 are still sold as digital photo frames and they are anywhere from between about that in the top five that i'm looking at on a popular e-commerce website um they are between five, uh, fifty pounds and about a hundred and thirty pounds, which seems awfully expensive to me. However, there was a feature that I did used to really like about one digital photo frame that I had, which is that you could remotely send pictures to it, which was ideal if you were wanting to give them to, say, a grandparent, and you could remotely send new photos to it. That was a nice feature. And I don't honestly believe, short of giving someone a tablet and telling them how it works, there is any equivalent that does that job, other than obviously posting them a a new photo every month. Um, Which I think is a bit of a shame, even though the landfill of the world is very grateful that people aren't buying these in the numbers they were. The other thing is that if you think about it, you could repurpose a TV into something like this quite easily. Just get a frame... Uh, you know, give the measurements to your local framer. They could build you a custom frame. But that's a hell it. of a logistical challenge because that's big and bulky and it requires well, it cabling. And yeah. Samsung sells, true. don't they? They sell the they sell the frame, yeah. and actually, it looks really good. I hate to say it in a way, but yeah, if you, um, they're very. That's a very very popular product line for them. I've always suspected because people look at it and they go oh wow it does art when it's you know in standby kind of thing and my sister's got one and it looks really nice your sister you do have to mount it too high that's the problem your sister sorry no that's that 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 came across wrong um your sister's got the samsung Samsung, yeah frame yeah interesting i'd be Mm. interested in in, it does look really nice but that's mm. purpose built for it, you know, yes. using using a very very modern expensive TV which is incredibly thin and therefore allows for wall mounting within a frame like that. Yeah. I think I think trying to retrofit a wooden box frame around, you know, the sort well, of people you're talking about are likely going to have older uh, TVs. You talk about repurposing yeah. an old TV, therefore it's probably going to be at least a minimum of six inches deep, and trying to the thing is wall that you mount can- that and. Yeah. You're right, but you could easily take all the bits out of a monitor and build a, you know, a, fr- a frame that way. I don't think it would be that difficult. I've seen people do it in videos on YouTube. Um this, you know, the same kind of idea. If you could get a you could easily talk a framer, I'm sure, into putting your frame on a sort of small uh, wooden box or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. You could do. It's you just not an average it. consumer thing, is it, really? No, it's it's not. Like, um, even maybe- I couldn't be bothered doing that. Maybe we could return lazy, to the topic at the start of the show and printing emails. Maybe the answer is print out the photograph and stick it on a wall because yep. it'd use a lot less power. And um, then we can change our email signatures to please think before printing this photograph. 
that would be the way forward. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because I was in the shower the other day thinking about digital photo frames, I, as I, you do. I, I was just going to say, have you been like transported back to the late 90s or something? Is that what's going on here? Well, maybe 2006 or something. No, no, it's just what I think about when I'm showering. <laughs> you know, everyone has their own thoughts. And the mine early was, century. And Fair mine enough. was what happened to digital photo frames and how many email signatures annoy me these days. It's just, that's just... Good job you've got a podcast, really. Otherwise, all this stuff would go unbroadcast. Yes. Um, Kate in live chat says, if you ever bring a digital photo frame into this house, you can turn around and walk straight back out with it. <laughs> I suspect I that there are at least two or three digital photo frames in your house, though. Uh, in the bottom of one of those drawers, there'll be a digital photo frame. I, w- I would put no. some money on no. it. No. Def- What's in de- your garage? Is there def- anything in your garage? Definitely not. That's a topic for another day. And in fact, it was a topic for an extra message where I unboxed an old box of tech once. And I'll tell you now, there were no digital photo frames in there. But if you listening have a digital photo frame and have a use for it still, genuinely would be quite interested to hear that. More though, more so than some of our listeners in the live room. But uh, Ian and I would be very interested. And Andy might be might be too. Who knows? No, but no, no, no. no. We're going to jump into some feedback now because we had uh, a few emails last week in response to our discussion around biometrics, Ian. Um, very few mm. people, it seems quite sadly, if I'm honest, seem to think it was a good idea um, to use one's back passage as a method of biometric <laughs> authentication. Um, and I can certainly say that in uh, tutoring my mum how to change her password on Google recently, uh, and add an additional fingerprint to her Touch ID, um, it's one that popped to mind uh, that I was very glad does not exist. Anyway, a couple of messages came in on that topic. Raphael wrote in, concerning the ID thingy, if a vending machine would verify your age with a face scan, it would just be as useless and easily fooled by asking somebody else to buy the thing you want for you, just like you ask someone else to purchase alcohol from a shop with regular human cashiers. It's a very good point, and maybe that's why those face ID vending machines have never really caught on. Uh, Mike also wrote in, it says, Hello, Nathan Ian. One of the problems with biometrics and other possession tokens is that there is no way for the user to withhold it if under duress. If my device solely relied on facial or fingerprint authentication, there is nothing to stop someone forcing me to look at or place my finger on the device and unlock it. Passcodes and passwords, knowledge tokens, he puts in parentheses, can be solely committed to human memory and have to actively be recalled from memory. How many times have we seen situations where a person will not give up a password or safe combination? Knowledge tokens like passwords also allow for the possibility of duress, false data, or self-destruct scenarios. If I'm being forced to unlock a device against my will, I could enter a different password to my normal one that could carry out an additional action such as notify a third party I'm under duress, display false information to those forcing me to unlock my device, or destroy that information or device entirely. I thought that was a very informative um, bit of feedback. Certainly true. Uh, There are biometric authentications that do require, for for example, the iPhone has, you need to be looking at it um, in order for it to unlock. It won't just unlock if you show it your face. Uh, That's that's an optional setting. Um, And uh, there are other things you can do with biometrics, like um, asking people to smile to confirm a purchase, that kind of thing. So I get the point. Um, it, it is asking that, people to smile to confirm a purchase. Yeah, that's. Can you imagine do, doing that under torture? 
Could, well, yeah, does it have to like? Does it? Is it that thing where when it then comes back and says, mm, "Sorry, you only smiled with your mouth. You didn't smile with your eye. It didn't look like a real smile. You've got to be really happy." That sounds like that god awful cafe in in LA where in order to order something you've got to say what you're thankful for and you've got to tell them why you're happy to be there and I'm like absolutely not give me the goddamn food I'm paying for and leave me alone <laughs> yeah I mean I take the point um but I mean to say we, it's not your possible choice to, to protect it is not quite right um well a very interesting bit of feedback there thank you Ian uh, yeah, sorry, sorry thank you thank you Mike thank you Raphael uh, and everyone else who wrote in with comments on that we do read them all we can't always get coming. to them all but uh, yes please keep them keep them coming now it's normal at this point in the show that we check out what's been happening in the wider world of technology news with Mr Tom Merritt but we're, we're taking a slightly different track this week why you may ask and you'd be right to ask it Tom has the answer hey there I'm Tom Merritt I've been podcasting since 2005 about technology and other geeky topics, but I've always wanted to do a talk show. I've been kind of training for this my whole life. Some of my best memories growing up were just talking with my grandpa Carl and my grandma Roxy, so I've decided to start a talk show where I can have a word with interesting people about how they think about things. Because none of us can know everything, but we can share how we try to know enough to get by. So join me for A Word with Tom Merritt. Talk to you soon wonderful great idea love the name i sort of feel that if tom's starting another podcast it is time for me to finally start nate langson's magnificent world of smells mm. um but i also am kind of aware that the crossover there is somewhat similar so maybe i've possibly missed the boat on that well, who knows already quite a lot of talk shows there's probably room for another one well who knows maybe um but check that out a word podcast uh, with tom merritt there hope it does well uh, Andy, you get to say something now about what you do that is extracurricular. Where can people find you? And thank you for joining us, by the way. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll answer that in reverse order. You're welcome. Um, they can find me... At, <laughs> uh, most of my um, uh, extracurricular stuff that is uh, relevant or important and that I would like you to go and look at would be my YouTube channel. That is uh, youtube.com slash andrew langson photography um that probably isn't actually a url that will work so maybe just google andrew langson photography if you are at all interested in the photography that i do out and about in the countryside in scotland it's macro or it's landscapes it's good times it's good very times relaxing with the camera it's very relaxing stuff i have to say um Thanks. and uh we'll include a link to andy's channel in the show notes at uktechshow.com slash episodes also in the mp3 description if you're listening as well if you'd like a, a peaceful jaunt through some countryside with some nice close-ups of snails and other forest paraphernalia then i strongly recommend it it's very 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 fun and i, I say um, that gone sorry i was gonna say we've, we've had another podcast rating on itunes oh have we yeah i, di- I did not know this please please uh this is from the 22nd of May, 2022. Jamanka, I think is how that's pronounced. Discover this gem of a podcast from DTNS. If you're looking for a UK-focused tech podcast with some great banter and music, you've come to the right place. So thanks for that. Oh, magnificent. Had no idea that was there. Thanks for keeping an eye on that, Ian. Yeah, um, I like to check in occasionally. Marvellous, marvellous. Well, thank you very much for that. Thank you for everyone who keeps listening, rating us, leaving reviews. It's incredibly helpful. And of course, if you want the full version of the show, do head over to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. This week, I did an extra message where I discussed while in a forest spotting deer, how I finally quit a free to play game that I've been 
borderline addicted to for three years. Um, so that's out now for on the Patreon feed. Uh, Andy and Ian, it has been a great pleasure for the most part. And uh, <laughs> how does that mean? Well, I'm always doing the podcast with you, and it's great. But I'm related to Andy, so I've got to get the jibes in somewhere. <laughs> Fair enough. Thanks. 